So let's move back to the, the Supreme Court. So that was the second grouping of questions that was talked about during this, this debate. To sum this up in one general sentence or a couple sentences, it's should Barrett have been nominated? Should the Senate have confirmed that nomination or should rather should they? And then should the courts be packed? Right? Those are basically what this boils down to. And Trump said, we did a good thing. We did our jobs. Biden said that it should be up to the people. They should decide and we should wait for the election so that they can decide who the judge is because they should have a say in it. And that, that was basically it. Yeah, we actually just dropped it. We'll have a comment that says, here's the thing. If you have pedestrians going into space, you better be able to protect them. Bezos and Musk's corporate space race shouldn't lag behind the government. Granted, that was just the last point I wanted to bring up. However, with the point in regards to the Supreme Court, I think Biden is wrong on this one. I think Trump brought up a viable point that, you know, if if I'm elected and the people of America feels if I am justified to serve these four years correctly and in the best judgment of the people elected, then he should be able to put in anybody that he wishes to put in 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 his best judgment. I think Obama put in Sotomayor, if I'm really pulling, uh, you know, I was I'm surprised I even remembered that. But that wasn't an issue when she was brought in. You know, that wasn't a let's revote on it. I think that's just a impending idea that Roe v. Wade might be overturned or that she might be too uh, right wing or whichever leaning side there is. But I think as the president, he has the full and all right to do whatever he, uh, he, he sees fit during his, you know, during his presidency. Well, and this gets back to the fundamental difference in weighting and values of the two sides in our government, right? In the right versus left. Constitutionally speaking, it is his job to pick someone and it is the Senate's job then to either confirm or not confirm that person. Constitutionally speaking. Constitutionally speaking, there isn't public say in who chooses the judge, right? That say comes in the form of you choose the president, then the president chooses the judge, and then you choose the Senate, and they decide whether or not to confirm it, right? And so, again, constitutionally speaking, Trump is in the right. Now, imagistically speaking, the the Republicans were disgustingly (laughs) hypocritical with this. And this, again, goes back to the hypocrisy point. The Republicans, many of these Republican senators in 2016, when they did not confirm Garland, they said that they weren't doing it because it was an election year, they weren't doing it because the, the people should have a voice. We should wait until the election is over, yada, yada, yada. And we, we had a good comment that sums it up. They said, I think the reason Dems are mad is because of not letting Obama nominate Garland. And there are GOP members on record, such as Graham McConnell, who said they would wait until the next election. Absolutely. And so this comes back to what are you prioritizing most highly? Imagistically, this is a shitty move. Imagistically, this is a really bad move on those Republicans' side, right? This is something they are being very hypocritical. They're being very dishonest in their stances in 2016, right? They, they're going back on their word in a lot of cases. But, you know, it, it goes back to, well, do you weigh that more highly or do you weigh their constitutional authority more highly and what their quote-unquote job is, right? Granted, discussion is important and the fact, you know, how you're being portrayed and how it looks, especially for her last request was that to wait until the election. Uh, but if you, you, you know, like you said, they're being hypocritical. If you, if you have the right to do it constitutionally, you should be fully 
uh, enacting all the rights that are available and provided to you. And I don't really understand why it's up for discussion. You may be unhappy with it, but you know, that's, that's how it went. Right. Well, and look, if we're talking about hypocrisy, the, the Democrats were on the opposite side of this in 2016, right? They, right. they wanted Garland to be elected and now they don't want, so the, the, the hypocrisy does go both ways. And I, I'm going to preface this next comment by saying, I'm absolutely not trying to disparage RBG. She was a wonderful woman and I don't want to talk bad about the dead, but even she said that a president is president for four years. He doesn't stop being president and stop filling those responsibilities during the last year. And that, you know, that holds true for the last month too. At the end of the day, he has a job and he is doing it. Again, I will, I'll absolutely acknowledge the imagistic horrors of this on both sides, right? The, the hypocrisy is evidently clear and it's awful. But yeah, I mean, it boils down to whether or not they should do it. Now, the other side of this, that was another heated point, was Joe Biden refusing to openly deny that he would pack the courts. Right. So Joe Biden was asked whether he supported initiatives such as packing the courts or getting rid of the filibuster. And his response was basically to deflect and say that I'm not going to answer. I, this isn't verbatim. I'm not going to answer that. That's what Trump wants me to answer. And that's not what we should be focusing on. Then he went on later. So after the debate, he's been on, I believe, three separate appearances on the news where they then pushed him on it and were like, you didn't answer this during the debate will you answer it now? And each time he gave the same kind of tempered, look, I'm not going to talk about this. This is what they want me to talk about. This isn't what we should be focused on. And, and I think that's troubling, right? I think that that is something that, you know, we're talking about different views, left versus right perceptions of the debate. Um, I think this was a big one, right? I think the right was much more concerned about this. At least the sources that I was seeing were more concerned about this, right? This is, was something that I think he should have given an overt answer to, and I think him not giving an overt answer is in and of itself a fairly covert answer. And so the, the concern is that Democrats will make changes so that they are able to then appoint more Supreme Court members and that Biden will do that for multiple and then pack, quote unquote, pack the courts. That I think was Biden's, we'll get to Trump's low point a little later. I think that was Biden's low point in the, in the debate was his response to that question. I think the term low point might even be an understatement. The fact that he just chose to completely ignore it and continue to his his glossed over message to the American people to vote. This entire election is about voting. What were you talking about? This is clearly a hole that concert, you know, granted if we're if we're trying to make it more tit for tat, this is an opportunity for conservative viewpoints or conservative media to really reel in the undecided voters, because what exactly was he talking about? The fact, you know, I don't, I personally didn't even know that that was on the table in regards to uh, his party or his campaign. I don't know the full ramifications either of what that could be. I feel like that was an opportunity for him to clarify that in some degree. And I'm not sure, or at least I don't have, I don't have enough information to almost discern why would he choose to or not to say it. I, I mean, so this is my bias showing, I'll preface it by that. I think he's not saying it because he would, if if the proposition was put forth, I think he would go along with it, right? If that's not the case, then I think he would have no reason not to say that. These are the main concerns over the Supreme Court. Like you said, this is a big issue that before RBG passed away, this was a big reason that a lot of people were voting against Trump is that they were voting, you know, I saw plenty of posts on Facebook. It was, we're not voting for the president, we're voting for RBG's replacement. 
right? And that's, that's important, right? And again, that's where the people have their say in, in the Supreme Court nominations. Barrett has her own reasons that people are, are concerned about her, um, you know, mostly her religious beliefs. And I, I think that there's a fair amount that we could get into on that. But, you know, I, I do think that this will be a point of contention up until the election. I think it will be something that will probably still come back up. It, it won't be a question because it was already covered, but one of them will bring this back up, probably Trump <laughs> throwing it back at Biden. But And rightfully so. I think he deserves, I think Biden, uh, Trump should use this opportunity to to really sear a hole in his campaign. And it could also be an opportunity for Biden to even secure voters, but him just leaving it absent was uh, was bad across the board. Right. Yeah, Th- this is something where I think the hypocrisy for, I hate saying this because I hate hypocrisy on, on all sides. I think the hypocrisy almost quote unquote balances out because both sides, Democrats and Republicans are being so hypocritical and awful with this, right? They. Both sides are being just disturbingly hypocritical when it comes to their stances in 2016 versus their stances now. You know, Republicans are a little more overt about it, but inevitably that puts Democrats on the other side and they disagreed with Republicans in 16 and they disagree with Republicans now, which inherently is a hypocritical position. So I, you know, I don't know. I I, I have my stance that I think that he's doing his job. And I have my stance that I don't think the courts should be packed, but I don't know, unless anyone else had any comments or anything, I think that there must not be, ooh, this is, okay. We, we just got a comment that I think we should jump into a little bit. Okay. Um, because this gets at one of the, the other big points of this debate. So we got a comment. It said, both sides may be hypocritical, but only one side is racist. Yeah. And then, so here we we go. So someone then says, not necessarily. Biden has a history. Someone else, ouch, LOL. Uh, Biden has a very, very interesting history in regards to that R word. Oh, yeah. No, we're going to get into this. Um, Okay. So let's jump to that. That was, we're skipping a couple of questions, but let's jump to the race and violence in our cities. That was something that definitely had a lot of, again, contentious issues discussed. We got a comment pertaining to the the Supreme Court that I just don't want to miss. Um, it says, I personally think Trump could have nominated Barbara Lagoa, the second choice, because she was elected to the 11th Circuit with an 80-15 Senate confirmations, which is amazing because nothing gets nominated by that margin these days. Um, yeah, that, that could have been, it probably would have been a less contentious choice for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we got a comment that said he just needed to disavow white supremacy. Um, okay, so... I, Brandon, do you want to give your take on this? Cause I have, I have my take and I know that I'm, I'm going to, I may ramble a little. Um, I don't know. I, I, I get it. This it's, it's a, it's a topic that America has been rambling on for, I don't know how many years. Biden has a very interesting history in regards to the laws and I guess the, the bills that he's been a part of that's been passed and Trump laid it out as clear as day. No one can deny what Biden has signed over and granted the quote in regards to the super predators, that was not necessarily taken out of context, but it was only speaking to that direct population. And because that population was black, they said it was talking about all black people. But Biden has tendencies, whether it be things that he said or things that he passed that 100% comes off as racist. Now, Trump as a whole, many people would say has racist, racist tendencies. I don't think that these two candidates are too far from that word. One may be closer than the other, but they come out in different ways. Trump's may be a bit more 
blatant, but some might argue it has nothing compared to the impact of what Biden has enacted systematically. So that's also a great example of how what's, you know, what's systematic racism is if you, and that's exactly what Trump said. I, I don't, I wish I had the quote of almost his entire, of Trump's entire rebuttal for how black people look at Biden uh, and the comment section are blowing up. But I just, as a whole, I think that how they handled race in the debate was the best way that they could, but no one, no one here is, is, is pure and white. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, so I think, and we'll, we'll get to the comments in a second. Um, Cause I think that a lot of that is what, you know, when it's touch on, mm-hmm. I'll preface all of this by saying, I will absolutely still condemn Trump for his handling of that question. Of course. Um, his hesitation alone was a problem. <laughs> um, the, I felt the, uneasy. I was uneasy. Yeah, I was like, yeah. wait a minute, we're not, we're not all against this? No. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long pause. Um, so that alone. Now, I think it was wrong. I think his reaction was wrong. And I think it, it had some very demonstrable negative impacts, right? There were reports that Proud Boys membership was going up. It encouraged some Proud Boys members, right? They took it as kind of a shout out instead of a, a condemnation. Right. Um, so I, I will say, before I say any of this, I will say that Trump screwed up big time with that comment. He, he he absolutely shouldn't have handled it the way he did. But the question is, did he screw up or did he just say how he felt? Right. And that's, yeah, that's the thing. And and I don't know. But I think if we look at his history and which this is one of the, the comments said, he's done it, talking about Trump condemning white supremacy. They said he's he's done it a bunch and the conservative side will say he's done it to death. That said, why not say it officially on the debate? That's outrageous to be dodgy instead of affirming. Agreed uh, on both counts, right? He has done it a bunch and he has, he was also dodgy there. And that may have been like another comment said, um, he, he riles up anger and hate and racism, um, which he did a lot in his 2016 campaign. Another comment says to a voter, it says he depends on and doesn't want to lose white supremacist voters. That is a problem to me. Someone says telling Proud Boys to stand by makes it seem like he's telling his guard dog to hold or wait for his signal before attacking. Someone agreed with that. Um, And then someone said he was being a politician. He knows that white supremacists are his followers, so he doesn't necessarily want to criticize them when he could be getting their votes. I I want to go through Trump's history a little bit with these condemnations that were talked about in the the comments, because I think it's important. And I think it, to me, this doesn't change the impact of his words. This doesn't change the fact that he handled it poorly, that had negative impacts, and him being a politician there was still a bad call. But I think that to your question of whether or not he was saying what he really thinks or whether or not he was just, it was, it was a screw up or him being a politician, I think it indicates less of underlying personality traits because of his previous, previous comments. Um, so the, the big one that I wanted to cover and I wanted to go through word for word so that everyone actually understands, because this is historically very misperceived, very much um, misunderstood. The whole very fine people comment. There's the, the idea that Trump said that there were very fine people on both sides in Charlottesville. And that has become a very big talking point on, on the left. And for Biden specifically, Biden has specifically said that that was one of the re- big reasons he, st- he, he wanted to run, right? I wanted to go through the transcript of that interaction so that people understood what he actually said, because this is, his, this is very much misconstrued a lot of times. 
Um, and so I just wanted everyone to have the, the full story before forming their opinions. And I think for me, this is why, while I'll still absolutely condemn him for the debate handling, I do think that it is illustrative of him being a shitty politician, not illustrative of him being a white supremacist racist who is unwilling to condemn them, period. So, so this is going to the, the transcript of Trump talking to the reporter. They were, before this interaction that I'm going to get to, they were talking about race relations. And then he was talking about how Trump was talking about how he was doing a lot for race relations and he was spending a lot of money on inner cities, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to start there um, and I'll post the link now. Um, this is from PolitiFact. So anyone listening, not live, um, just Google PolitiFact context, Trump's very fine people, both sides remarks, and you can get the full transcript. But I wanted to go through it a little just so that everyone has the facts and, and hears the actual words that he did say, because it's not often told in its full context. This is the reporter. Mr. President, are you putting what you're calling the alt-left and white supremacists on the same moral plane? Trump, I'm not putting anyone, anybody on a moral plane. What I'm saying is this, you had a group on one side and you had a group on the other side and they came at each other with clubs and it was vicious and it was horrible and it was a horrible thing to watch. But there is another side. There was a group on this side. You can call them the left. You just called them the left that came violently attacking the other group. So you can say what you want, but that's the way it is. The reporter, both sides, sir. You said there was hatred. There was violence on both sides. Are the Trump? Yes, I think there's blame on both sides. If you look at both sides, I think there's blame on both sides. And I have no doubt about it. And you don't have any doubt about it either. And if you reported it accurately, you would say, reporter. The neo-Nazis started this. They showed up in Charlottesville to protest. Trump, excuse me, excuse me. They didn't put themselves and you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me. I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. The reporter, George Washington and Robert E. Lee are not the same. Trump, George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Reporter, I do love Thomas Jefferson. Trump, okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue because he was a major slave owner? Now, are we going to take down his statue? So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing culture. And you had people, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers. And you see them come with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats. You had a lot of bad people in the other group. And this goes on. Trump then describes neo-Nazis and white nationalists as rough, bad people, whatever you want to call them. Um, and so I think the when you look at the the whole transcript, he he does, like someone in the comments said, he, do, he did very clearly and openly condemn white supremacy, neo-Nazis, white nationalists. And he has done that numerous other times. Um, like someone said, I won't go so far as the conservative sources that say he's done it, quote unquote, to death. But he has done it numerous times. And he even, he did it after all of this too. He, he condemned the KKK, white nationalists, white supremacists, proud boys. It's important to distinguish between his comment during the debate, which in and of itself is horrendous and awful and, and has some very bad impacts and the implications that may have for his actual underlying personality, I, I guess, maybe. 
And so to, to then touch on some of the other things that, that you were talking about with Biden and some of the other people that brought up Biden's past, Biden in this debate did actually call Trump a racist, right? He called Trump a racist. I think that, again, when going back to the hypo- hypocrisy stuff, mm-hmm. Biden has plenty, plenty of instances where this stuff has come up. In the, the most recent one right there was the, the poor kids are just as smart as white kids comment, um, which may have just been a little slip, right? Um, there was also in the 70s when he said that he didn't want his children growing up in, quote, racial jungles, um, and he was opposing desegregation. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that there, there is a good amount of evidence that both of these... Now, I was talking to someone about this recently. I, I don't... I don't think either of them are extremely horrendously and maliciously racist. I think they're both old dudes. They're both 70 some years old. They grew up in a time where racism was more commonplace and acceptable. This isn't justifying it, right? Or trying to defend it because it's it's not. But I think it's much more common in a 70 some year old to hear them have these kinds of slip ups and hear them, them have these kinds of comments. I don't think that necessarily makes either of them in and of itself, those comments make either of them inherently bad people or white supremacists or things like that. No. So you're right to say that they're not inherently bad people or they're not white supremacists, but these comments do fuel those parties. It's not necessarily Trump, but it's the voter, it's the people who support Trump. And I say that not as the regular common-minded voter. I say this to the more proud boy aspect to the more alt-right white supremacist aspect and it's interesting because a lot there's a lot more white supremacists than people may i guess want to assume to believe yeah definitely and i guess they're like well you know i had i had one person was like i didn't even know we there were white supremacists and this came from a white person so Mm -hmm. i think there's a level of ambivalent ignorance to a degree but i think that if you're going to run for a presidency and you've been alive during the changes of the decades, that certain things should not be slips, at least at this point, you know, in this day and age in the media. Now, what now my question is, what level of comments did we not get to? So I think we did get actually most from there was just there was one big one that brought up some good points. Yeah. So we had a comment, it said now to get Trump on record verbally saying things that aren't twisted, they have to go 2015 or earlier. Biden has new stuff. Arguably, both are segregation living old white men. They are biased. So I don't trust it one way or another for giving them a past. However, actions speak louder than words. Depending on white supremacists and buying black votes with decisions is shady and hypocritical. If you say stupid things, you are ignorant, which is also a problem, but not on an ethical or moral ground, is an education issue. I think taking down statues of Civil War figures by black people may not be the intent, but it ends up helping whitewashing. They would be better off in museums, but we need to be reminded of mistakes to move past them. Stand down was actually said by Chris Wallace first, by the way, but stand by was not. Then we had another comment that said for both Biden and Trump, people keep going back to things they said decades ago. This is now allowing for people to evolve. Of course, people's minds and behaviors change, and we should judge people based on recent history, not based on things they said or did three decades ago. Absolutely. If so, that's the case, then Paula Dean should still be making chicken with three pounds of butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, that you you both raised good points, both of those comments, right? And, and the fact is that Trump, as of the debate, he had not as openly condemned him. Now, shortly after that, 
he did go on Fox and um, and condemn them. So this was at thurs on Thursday evening, clearly after the debate. And so Trump had said, I condemn the KKK. I condemn all white supremacists. I condemn the Proud Boys. I don't know much about the Proud Boys, almost nothing, but I condemn that. So first off, again, stupid comment, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he didn't know as much about the Proud Boys. Like I doubt he's doing deep dives, but that doesn't excuse the ignorance. Like someone said, if you say ignorant things as a public figure, that's not a good look. But so, yeah, I think that if we're talking about recency, I don't think it's an issue of recency. I think it's an issue of the size of the spotlight. I think that the issue is that he was unwilling to strongly condemn it when he had the national spotlight during the debate. And he was willing to condemn it on camera right afterwards, but clearly that's not as large of a that's not as large of a spotlight, right? That's him being, yeah, he's willing to condemn it, but only when a certain percentage of the population's watching and listening not when you know millions and millions of people are watching the debate. I, I do I think that Trump is playing to a segment of his base here. Like some people have said, this is him trying to retain votes of right-wing extremists. This is him trying to retain votes of white supremacists. I condemn that in the the strongest sense, right? I, I think that the Republican Party has an image issue and they need to move away from that. Like they they need to move away from this white supremacy image this perceived threat to anyone who's not a straight white male, right? Or this lack of acceptance to anyone who isn't a straight white male. You've been seeing this shift a little bit. Um, Trump has fairly good support, not the majority by any means, but he has decent support in, I believe it was the homosexual men more, more recently. And, you know, black conservatives are starting to become a little more common. This is an imagistic problem that the Republican Party has had for a while, and it's something that Trump is playing into, and that's a big problem. Um, when it comes to Biden, you know, the comments, you're right, he, these comments were all fairly long ago that were brought up. And so it, it could genuinely be that he has changed in that time, right? Regardless of what his views are back then, maybe they did change genuinely, right? Maybe he changed his views and didn't and doesn't believe that segregation will lead to a racial jungle or that he, he doesn't confuse black people and poor people. So yeah, I think the timing is important. And I think that Trump really, really screwed up in not condemning it more openly during the debate. I, I don't know. I guess the stances that I stand on on this platform seem as if I'm more in tune with information than I am. But white supremacy, it's not a new concept. It's not a new idea, and it's been around since roughly 1770. I mean, it's been around <laughs> since forever. Like to, to make this into a bigger issue now, for me, it's valiant, but it's not, it's not for the people gonna, that are affected by white supremacists. Kind of like how the painting of the Black Lives Matter in the streets aren't for Black people. I, I, that doesn't do anything that doesn't bring justice to anything is just it, it's it's cute and i appreciate it being said on a platform i think that is the extent of it yeah. um we actually just jumped into a comment it says uh democrats have successfully captured all minority groups unfortunately it's that's completely true black people have 90 uh, black, yeah. black populations have 90 percent of the democratic vote regardless and one day we have to talk more about that because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm disgusted with how Chicago looks or has been looking for the past 20 years, 30 years. 
It says the post-Trump GOP should seriously consider broadening their base because they have good financial policies that a lot of people are on board with. Because they hesitate, because socially the GOP doesn't try to appeal to them. Yeah, and look, you know, again, this is because of the different valuing of imagistics and policy. That is much larger an imagistic issue and not a policy, right? Like policy-wise, I don't think that the GOP is pushing for any kind of quote-unquote racist policy, right? Unless you, you know, there, there are things that you can point to that maybe some people perceive as, as racist one way or another, but objectively speaking, I don't think this is a policy issue. This is an imagistic issue that we need to fix. And it's because people have stances like mine. This is because people's stances align a little more with what I was describing in that the imagistics don't matter as much. It's the policies, it's the constitutional authority, it's things like that. And that that's a problem that leads to these imagistic issues with race, especially and, and gender and sex and all these things, because I don't want to say pander is the wrong word, but like we don't focus on, I'm saying we, the GOP doesn't focus on them as much as Democrats do. And that has led to them getting a, a lot of the minority vote. But yeah, I, I think that that was, so getting to back to the debate, this, we talked about Biden. This was absolutely Trump's low point. This was Trump's biggest screw up was his comments on the white supremacy um, and his less than completely open and overt condemnation of it, right? right. He absolutely should have just right off the cuff. Yeah, absolutely. I condemn white supremacy, white supremacists, alt-right extremists stand down, do not continue perpetuating violence and, and rioting and whatever. That said, I also, I do take issue with, now I, I know there's disagreement over the existence of a group of Antifa, right? People are saying on the left that it's more an idea. And so I don't want to get into that so much as condemning left-wing extremism, which is emerging more recently. It's definitely not as common historically. It's definitely not as common, you know, if you look at the numbers. And so I don't, I, I do think it's still important that Trump condemn right-wing extremism and white supremacy. I do personally have a problem with the fact that Joe Biden and other Democrats, though, on the other side of the coin, can't overtly condemn left-wing extremism, um, right? They're quick to condemn right-wing extremism. They're very quick to condemn white supremacy, which is a great thing, which is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. But I think and something that Trump had tried pointing out multiple times at the debate, what other Republicans and conservatives have tried pointing out is that when it comes to left-wing extremism, right, when it comes to things like, yeah, one of the comments said cancel culture and shutting down free speech. When it comes to stuff like that, when it comes to Black Lives Matter organizers being on camera, having rhetoric that seems to encourage violence and encourage looting and encourage, right. like, one of them said something along the lines of, like, not losing any sleep over a fascist getting killed. And that was when the, the Trump supporter got shot. Um, you know, th there's there's aspects of this rhetoric that need to be called out. And I think that it's a failure on Biden and other Democrats part that they're not willing to condemn that, just like I think it's a failure on Trump's part that he's unable to, when asked in the debate, openly condemn white supremacy uh, and very clearly condemn white supremacy. Right. Would you say that Chad was a demonstration of left wing extremism? Oh, I think so. Well, so I don't know, as far as left first right wing, I mean, right. as far as their values and their, their attempted changes, I mean, they definitely are more left wing than right wing. 
I mean, yeah, it definitely was extremism, right? They took over several blocks and they basically held all the people in that place hostage because cops weren't able to get in to help people. They weren't able to enforce the law and protect business owners. And I think that you see that. And yeah. And so someone just said anarchists can be right or left wing. And so that's true. Right. And so that's why I don't want to jump to saying that all of Chaz or Chop was left wing extremists. Um, but, you know, instead of condemnation, the I don't know if it was the mayor or governor or who of that area. Right. They were giving them porta potties. They were giving them supporting that cause. Right. And so I, I think that that's something that does need to be talked about more. And that's something that, again, Trump brings up a lot that they fail to condemn that when prompted. And the go-to is always, oh, well, Antifa is an idea. It's not a group. And that's fine. Then then don't condemn Antifa, but condemn the ones that do, right? Condemn the people in Chaz or Chop that were infringing on the rights of other people in their neighborhood, right? Condemn the, the extreme sides of either Antifa or Black Lives Matter. Condemn, you know, even the other Democrats, right? Like, I, honestly, condemn Maxine Waters, for encouraging violence way, way back when there was stuff going on with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Maxine Waters said something to the effect of, if you see these people in public, right, make sure they know that they are not welcome there. If you see them in a restaurant, you know, you should, and this isn't verbatim, so I don't want it to sound like that, but, you know, basically encouraging them to be, to harass these people, to, to come out against them and say that they're not welcome, that they don't belong, that they don't agree with them, et cetera. And now you're seeing Black Lives Matter supporters harassing people in restaurants and yeah. demanding that they put the black power fist up and screaming at them if they don't. And, you know, you're seeing the repercussions of that kind of rhetoric, just like we see the repercussions of we see the repercussions of Trump's rhetoric a lot too. And that's why, you know, again, I'll, I'll condemn and many people will condemn Trump for that rhetoric because of the implications that it carries. I just don't like that it's only Trump that is being pushed to condemn it. You know what I mean? I would, I would say that it's only because Democrats have been known, and one of the comments addressed this, Democrats have been known to house these type of, you know, ridiculous, you know, racist sentiments or this rhetoric and not have to defend it. But someone who's openly attacked different groups would now have to be the scapegoat for all of all things that go wrong under their watch. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. I don't want that to be the the standard either. Right. Because I, I get that, you know, the saying is the buck stops with them, you know, with the president and, and yeah, and to an extent, right. You know, he is the, the figurehead. He is the person in charge. And just like that, right. If Biden were in charge, he would be the one in charge. He would be the figurehead and the buck would quote unquote stop with him. But, you know, on some level, I think that it's more personal responsibility, right. It's not Trump isn't responsible for, directly responsible for violence that his rhetoric may antagonize, just like Bernie isn't directly responsible for a Bernie supporter going and shooting at, what was it, Republican, was it senators or no, it was, I don't remember who, who it was that, but anyway, there's cases on both sides where rhetoric winds up leading to violence and that's awful. And that shows why the rhetoric is important but you're right, you know, th there's an element of personal responsibility there that it does ultimately come down to the people doing the violence, committing the violence. But I think, you know, on the imagistic side of things, it is important that the people in government, whether it's their quote unquote fault or not, that they do say it, right, that they do condemn it. I, I want to close this by saying, like, I absolutely 
I agree with all the comments that Trump still Trump screwed up big with this comments, right? Trump Trump should have condemned white supremacy much more openly, and he and he didn't, right? He didn't. He dropped the ball. Uh, we got we got another comment. It says, "By that nature, speech is far from violent activities in general." What do you think? Speech is vastly different from violence. Uh, speech it can encourage violence and that's bad. And right, we've cited examples on both sides, both Trump and various Democrats that, that the rhetoric encourages violence, which is an awful byproduct of it. But, you know, it, it boils down to sticks and stones, right? At the end of the day, and I think that today that is being changed in the public's perception. Mm -hmm. um, it's changed to be that speech and violence are conflated a lot of times. Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I, I don't think those should be compared. I think that we should recognize the connection between the two, because those are immutable. Those are absolutely verifiably true, but they're definitely not the same thing. Mm -hmm. What was some of the, the another, uh, I guess, the next point on the docket in regards to the debate? Yeah, yeah, we should move on to another one. Um, so the other ones that we had, um, there was COVID-19, the economy and the integrity of the election. I guess we can go to the integrity of the election. That's another, that's another big one recently. Basically, the so the big concerns that came up in the debate were mail-in voting, um, Trump's views on mail-in voting, and then whether either candidate would accept the results of the election, and whether they would cede power. You know, that, that's been something that Trump has gotten asked of him a lot lately is, you know, would you cede power? Would you commit to a peaceful transfer of power? Things like that. So Biden overtly said that he will accept the results of the election. Trump had brought up that Biden, quote unquote, spied on Flynn or on, on his administration. Trump talked about how he's counting on the Supreme Court to count the ballots which is another low point of Trump's that I think we should get to it in this part. They talked about how certain states can't process the ballots until election day and how that may lead to some problems. This was when the white supremacist stuff, I think, came up because they also asked if they would urge their supporters to stay, stay calm. But yeah, so those were kind of the main, those were a lot of things that came up about the election and the integrity of the election. So yeah, I guess, you know, can just kind of open it up to everyone too. And, and Brandon, if you have any thoughts, you know, just on, on mail-in voting, on the integrity of the election. Do you remember, I'm not sure if you do, during, what's it, uh, Jeb Bush, when uh, <laughs> Bush was running and they had an issue with them punching out. The hanging chads. Right. They were like, oh, it's uh, it's hanging. It doesn't count it or not. I think this is just another version of that. I think it's just another way. And granted, I don't remember that happening in the Obama elections or, you know, forms of that. I know, I know voter registration was an issue. You know, how many pieces of proof of, of, of residency did you have to different uh, zip codes of different populations had to provide? Uh, but I think for the hurdles that we're going to see for this election, especially with COVID, and I guess certain facilities not being available to different populations, and then I guess to counter that, you know, the NBA and the NFL has opened up their facilities to do so. Mm -hmm. I just think it's going to be part of my language. Just another shit show in regards to the election. You know, if we're going to, you know, New Hampshire might not have half the votes. Florida may not come back until February 9th. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. It's definitely going to be a shit show. And, and so the, the big concerns that are coming up now are that 
not only, you know, so the integrity of the election is, is one thing. The other concerns are Trump's accepting of the results and then whether it gets dragged out past January and what implications that could have, right? Because there are plenty of avenues that Trump can take if he does believe that the voting process was was right. faulty yeah, or rigged in any way. Um, and so there are different, different tools at his disposal, I'll say, that could lead to a very sticky situation of determining who the real winner is and how the votes actually get counted, right? right. And so getting to his, his quote-unquote low point with this, they had asked him, about whether or not, you know, whether or not he thought the, the election was going to be genuine, you know, the, the results were going to be faulty or not. And they asked if whether he was counting on the Supreme Court to count the ballots, right, and to make the, the final decision. And he and he said, yes, you know, he said that, yes, he was counting on that. And that's a bad move, especially after you just nominated a SCOTUS member, like, come on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and this is where it gets into Trump's imagistic issues where it's like, I don't want to blame malevolence. I don't want to blame it on nefarious means. But if it's not that, it's extremely dumb. It's extremely <laughs> dumb. Like, how do you not see that that's going to be taken in a way that you're saying, I'm counting on the Supreme Court. Oh, and by the way, I just nominated someone to the Supreme Court. And how could that not be construed as I'm hedging my bets that this will help me get elected? My, my question was, how come the moderator didn't bring it up? Or how come, I guess, maybe I might be late to the party, but wasn't there at least for two years after his presidency that the media was eating up the idea that Russia had a ridiculous impact on the rigging of the election? And I guess no one was curious on how that would happen again, specifically because he said it would be rigged if, it, if he didn't win. So then what other forces have been used previously that has come under question and contention that may bode a different result. And that would have to be Russia's involvement, which amazingly Trump brought up to attack Biden, but definitely can be used to retort his comments as well. Yeah, we got a couple of comments come in. Uh, it says, mail-in voting has always been in place. The military and expats vote like that. The issue is with expansion. States have decided whether to expand or not. The federal government and Trump don't have to worry about it. And then addressing your quote, uh, they said, how come the moderate didn't bring it up? He said the moderator was tired of the BS by the end. Poor soul. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the, the distinction between mail-in voting and absentee voting is also important here. And this is something that is often conflated. Mail-in voting does already happen in, I believe, nine states. Ballots are mailed based on the voter rolls. And then the other side of that is absentee voting, which is where even if you don't have to have a reason, depending on the state, you you then apply for it. Um, there's some level of verification, and then you get your ballot and you send it back. So the biggest, I guess, quote-unquote fact check that I think we should bring up in this instance is Trump's claims of massive evidence of, of fraud stemming from mail-in voting. I, I think this is twofold, right? So on the on its face and at its core, he's wrong there, right? There There is no evidence of massive coordinated fraud as a result of mail-in voting. And so I think when he says that, that that's, that's incorrect. There, there is no uh, extensive evidence of that. On the other side of it, I think it is important to discuss the potential implications of something like massive mail-in voting, like across the board. Now, 
I don't think that's, as the comment said, I don't think Trump has to worry about that. I don't think this is going to be a nationwide, everyone is mail-in voting kind of thing, or, you know, every state is mailing out ballots, because that's just not, that, that's not what has happened and doesn't seem to be what is going to happen. But, you know, there, there are several instances of, I don't think fraud is the main concern. I think the integrity, when it comes to the integrity of the election, when in terms of mail-in voting, I think the main concern is ineptitude. It's it's incompetence in filling out these ballots and, and the system with which they then have to be submitted. It, like every year, there's hundreds of thousands of ballots that don't get counted because of mistakes in how they're filled out. So people will get a mail-in ballot, they will then either not sign it or the signature doesn't match. They'll turn it in and it'll be super late. It'll miss the deadline. That is, it's not fraud necessarily, right? But it is still an example of how a system where everyone were to be voting by mail would be rife with not necessarily fraud, but people's votes not counting, right? And so it would on some level play into the integrity of it, um, just not necessarily by fraud. I think in 2016, it was 1%, and this was one of the claims that Trump made that was true, 1% of the vote by mail was not counted. And so that would be around 330, 340,000 ballots that weren't counted in 2016 that were, were mail-in voting. And so, the, you know, and that's just 2016, right? There are examples of, again, not fraud necessarily, but of ineptitude by the voters, incompetence by the voters where they're not going to handle it correctly and it's going to lead to their vote not counting. And then obviously, and Biden was kind of on the other side of that, that, you know, he he would accept the results that he was okay with mail-in voting. Uh, he didn't raise the same concerns that Trump did. Okay, so we still had, there were still a couple points. Um, there was COVID-19 and the economy. Um, this, we've been going for about a little under two hours now. I think we're going to wrap up this episode. For time's sake, for editing's sake, I think we should cut it off. Do any of you have any concerns about the aspects that we did touch on? Because I think if we do do another episode, we won't go back to either Trump and Biden's records. We won't go back to the Supreme Court and we probably won't go back to the integrity of the election or race and violence in the cities. Just mainly um, COVID and just the economy. Right. Yeah. So if there's anything that we didn't cover on those topics, the, the ones other than, you know, other than COVID and the economy, uh, definitely let us know in the chat. We can cover those before we go. But but yeah, I think we should probably at least start to wrap it up. Uh, obviously, you know, th this, like we said at the beginning, this debate was a shit show. There's, <laughs> there's so much we could go for hours longer if we wanted to. Honestly, yeah. Just, just covering all this stuff. Um, we did get one comment. It said mail-in voting issues affect Democrats most, by the way, which is true. The biggest sure. issues is signatures not matching for first-time young voters and names not matching, um, which, which happens most with Black voters. And that's true. Uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal did some research on this. And yeah, they found that young voters, first-time voters, and Black voters were most affected by mail-in voting leading to votes not counting. And so frankly, I think, and you've seen this in the push lately with the ads, you know, right? Everyone now is saying, vote in person if you can, <laughs> even the Obamas, right? I, I hear on YouTube all the time, Michelle Obama is talking about yeah, how you should vote in person if you can. But yeah, if anyone has any other comments or concerns or things that you wanted to touch on briefly before we end, um, things that we, we didn't touch in those questions that we talked about, 
also, if there's any topics that we did speak on, but you didn't necessarily get to get your fully uh, voice uh, heard, you can also go to our Discord page, which we're going to link into the chat right now. Um, we can also continue the conversation there if you guys would like. Zach, do you have anything overall that you'd like to, I guess, summarize about how do you feel about the election and where do you think the debate is going to go? I think that the the take-home message from this debate is that Biden needs to more clearly spell out his policies um, and more clearly take a stance on packing the courts. And Trump and the GOP as a whole needs to distance itself a little more imagistically from white supremacy and right-wing extremists. And I think if that if either one of those people do that, they have a good chance of, of winning a lot of moderate votes. I agree. But all right. With that, we'll call it a day. Thank you all for tuning in and for listening. Uh, this was a really good discussion. It was a lot to talk about, but I'm glad we could talk about it. Of course. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful day, guys. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks.